Hi everyone and welcome to episode 25 of View from the Sideline podcast. Coming up this week, we've got an FA Cup special with a look back at the action from the fifth round and a preview of the quarterfinal draw as well as the EFL review. Chris has got this week's teaser and we've got a predictions update and this week's special topic is around referees and the pressure that they're under in today's game. So let's get started. Hello and welcome to episode 25 of View from the Sideline Podcast. It's Chris here and Rich is here as well. Hi Chris, how you doing? I'm alright, thanks. Rich, yourself? Yeah, I'm not too bad, not too bad. We've, the, uh, uh, carry on, sorry. The, the dream of the quadruple is over, should we mention? No, we're not going to mention this? anything. Was it too anything. early? No, nothing about no. this is going to be mentioned throughout this podcast. Um, I was going to say that we've this is our quarter of a century uh, of podcast, so number twenty-five. It is. Who would have thought it? Hey, we yeah. started on episode number one. Who would who would have thought we'd be, <laughs> who would have thought we'd be allowed to get this far? Yeah. Anyway, so uh, I've got this week's teaser for you. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of based around the FA Cup, kind of based around a little bit on Chelsea as well. Um, so, uh, Ashley Cole scored his first goal on English soil for more than seven years on Saturday, Friday. Yeah. Can you name the team he last scored against in the Premier League? Oh, I have. Got cl- I will say this, though. I'll give you a slight play. It could be quite difficult, Consider it was back in 2012. The team he scored against are no longer in the Premier League. So that might give you oh. a little bit of a... You know. Well, it's going to be... It's going to have to be a process of deduction. Yeah, um, so... Uh, but it's and more, more, more guesswork. Couldn't believe it when he scored. It was a good header as well, actually. I was quite it impressed. It was a great header. But, was that um, not his first ever... FA Cup, FA Cup goal. it was right? his, yeah his first ever FA Cup goal. I think he holds the record for the most FA Cup wins as well trophies. I think I'm not 100 percent sure. I think that's all right though. Anyway, we'll um we'll move on to some of these FA Cup games that happened over the weekend. Um, and we'll start with the the QPR Watford game. Um, now it wasn't. Uh, you know, it didn't have all the glitz and glamour, maybe, of, of some of the other ties, but it was actually quite a good game, uh, uh, quite end-to-end, and I think QPR actually defended quite well throughout the game, and I think QPR, probably looking back on it, might think that they probably should have got uh, got the win from this game, so they had plenty of chances. Yeah, I think that on paper, I think it was probably... Not an easy game for Watford, but you would have expected them to win, um, especially based on the the league form QPR have been in. I think that I mean they've been shipping goals left, right, and centre, um, and that sort of continued last in their game last night where they lost three two. Um, but I, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, Chris, that Watford only had one shot on target, yep, and that, did, that yep. was the actual goal. The goal. Um, so. I mean, 100% conversion rate, I guess. It was a very... The goal itself was quite, you have to say, slightly lucky. That Obviously, cleverly, he's gone to take a shot and it it was going (laughs) for a throw, really, I think, before Kapue got on the end of it. Um, 
But, but it, I, I thought a good win. I thought a good win for Watford. I actually fancy was... them this year. I, I think they're, t- they're, they're almost turning into a, a, a good cup side. Um, I don't yeah. want to sort of disrespect their league form or anything, but they play good football and they proved that on their day uh, in the Premier League that they can beat anybody. So I think getting to the stage that they've now got to in, in this year's competition, I think you've got to take them seriously. Um, and obviously, we'll, I mean, we'll, we'll go through the draw later on. But I mean, they've got they've got every chance of getting getting to the semi final. So draw, yeah, um, the, yeah the it's chance, not. But I mean, so the chance at the end for, for QPR, um, the ball goes across the face of the goal, and the QPR player literally manages to get a foot on it, but he just hits it wide. I thought could have scored that, but I suppose. <laughs> In the moment, I suppose you don't really know. I don't think he was expecting to to get near it, but never no, mind. I think he was, but I mean, again, going back to their league form, and, and again last night because they conceded a ninety fourth well, yeah, I saw goal, and then they, they they missed the penalty in the last minute against Birmingham. They well, yeah, have, I, they I don't have something. they don't have much luck. On Sky Sports News, that the their last three games they've either conceded or missed good. It conceded late in the last three league games, which has cost them points. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, but you can see win. by by Steve McLaren's sort of re- reaction that um, there's there's definitely some frustration yeah. there. Okay, so we'll we'll talk about the game that was on uh, Friday nights, the Brighton Derby game. Um, I thought I th- I honestly thought that Derby might give Brighton a bit more of a game. I didn't. I didn't feel that Derby were completely in this at all. Um, no, I know they but got I, I a goal, think... but I just don't. I think Brighton played well, but I wouldn't say. I thought just expected a bit more from Derby, to be honest. Yeah, but I think a lot of that's probably from their performance against Southampton. Um, in I guess it was the third. Would have been the third round. Yeah. Um, I think that I think that Derby have got the players to give to give anyone. Um, in the championship and even in sort of the the bottom half of the Premier League, a decent game. Um, I just, I'm just not. I don't think they performed. I mean, I find Derby quite inconsistent, um, and I kind of put Brighton in the same bracket as Watford um, in the regards of this is this sort of it's presenting itself to be a really good op- yeah. opportunity for Brighton That's to cool. to really go deep in this competition. And I guess. It, when you say that sort of the cup can be a distraction um, in a bad, bad sense, I think the, the the way Brighton's form's been in the Premier League recently, the, the cup's probably a good distraction for them. Yeah, and I think overall it's a good win. I mean, Derby are a decent side, so yeah, they are. Just yeah, just like to, I said, to beat them is a good game. that they turned out. That was all. Anyway, um, the the Wimbledon Millwall game, um, early goal for. Millwall, which actually turned out to be the only goal, so it ended up being the winner. It was the same guy that scored the winner against Everton as well. Um, you know, Wimbledon did cause a few problems, um, but just you know, they just couldn't find the goal really in the end. It's just it's just one of those. Again, a bit like QPR, I think they might be a bit frustrated that they didn't convert some of the chances that they did have, but. All credit to Millwall. You know they went one up, and they, they, you know, they did what they needed to do. Yeah, but I think from Wimbledon perspective, with where they are in the league, um, I mean, we'll touch on that 
a bit later in the EFL review. I mean, to, to get as far as they have done in the Cup, it's it, it's a huge achievement, and especially beating West Ham the way they did. Um, I don't know whether that that brought a bit of pressure on them coming Maybe, into this game. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're if you're sort of comparing Millwall and West Ham, you you would expect you've got a better chance of beating Millwall. But like you say, I mean, an, an early goal. Um, you almost feel that that would have opened the game up a bit and it would have been um, a bit more attacking. But um, I think Millwall, I mean, Millwall defended pretty well against Everton in the last round, I think. So we know yeah. that they can defend. So I guess it's not a huge surprise that they that they sort of kept a clean sheet and kept the, the one goal lead for as long as they did. Um, I mean, it's not a glamour tie, is it really, with the no. grace of respect to both sides? Yeah, but... And well, credit I to think, who, yeah, absolutely. And whoever would have won that would, I mean, Mill were, were amazing against Everton. They played really well. Wimbledon, by the same token, were amazing against West Ham. So maybe we expected a little, a little bit more from it. But got. Yeah. a close game settled, but settled by the one goal, yeah. and Mill will, Mill will go on. And I mean, Wimbledon looked looked pretty doomed from a league perspective. Perspective, but maybe they can it. fully focus on that now. There's no sort, there is no distraction. <clears throat> so uh, maybe that's something that they can um, focus on now and maybe get out of trouble. So uh, the Newport Man City game, um, I think a lot, <laughs> you know, City. I think, we were, I think we were all edging towards a huge <laughs> upset here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At half time, yeah, because Newport had a good couple chances in the first half. There was a header that was well saved by Edison. Um, but then second half, completely different. Man City come out and do what they do best. They just picked pick Newport apart. Every goal pretty much was well worked from the midfield going into the attack. You know, Newport got the goal, which I expect they'll be quite happy about. And you know, it's something for the fans and it's scoring against Man City, something you can put on your CV. Um, but uh, you yeah, know, but I mean, time, I think it's, it, 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 you know. You were thinking, that flatters, thinking that's it. yeah, but I think 4-1 almost flatters that game because there were so many goals late on. Yeah, um, I think that if you look at it from now, I've heard so much about about the game and about sort of Newport's tactics and how the sort of pitch was roughed up in certain areas and um that Newport's tactic was not to allow Man City to get the ball out wide. And because that was their tactic, that the, 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 the sort of uh, the sidelines had been sort of roughed up a bit and things like that. So it wasn't as easy to play the sort of football you, you would associate with Man City. Um, and I, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing because if you're Newport and you're playing Man City, you almost need every advantage you can possibly so you, you gain. You do anything, won't you, just to... Yeah, absolutely. Anything advantage. that's within the laws of the game. Um, but I don't think we can... I, I find that... The, I thought the first half performance from Newport was nothing short of sort of unbelievable. When, when you think of the gulf between these two sides, and yet within the football pyramid, I think there's 82 or 83 places between them, which might... I don't know whether that sounds a lot or not. I mean, to me, it, it doesn't sound a huge, huge amount. No, no. It's not. But when you look at them against 
club against club, that they are a million miles apart. When you think that, I think Aguero, I think I read somewhere that Aguero has to, has to, like two days or two or three days wages for Aguero is something ridiculous like the whole, the the annual wage bill of Newport. It, it's something ridiculous like that. And that is the gulf between the two teams. And let, let's not sort of ignore the fact that Newport held them for as long as they did. Um, and if it was wasn't for a late flurry, the scoreline would have been a lot closer than it actually was. Yeah, and and again, the, the teams that they've been, so they, they knocked out Leicester, they knocked out Millwall, and it's a, it's a great cup run for Newport, and I think they deserve all the plaudits they get. Yeah. But realistically, I don't think anyone expected them to beat City, and, and it, it sort of turned out that way. Yeah. So after the game, um, I saw on the BBC website that Guardiola invited the Newport players into the changing rooms and said, just have what you want or something, wasn't it? He's like, just take, you know, take what you need. And, you know... I'll have De Bruyne, I'll have Aguero. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say that if the manager walked in, they'd be like, yeah, I'll have you free for next week. But yeah, so, yeah, that was just a very kind of Guardiola to do that, obviously. It is, but it just it just shows what, what sort of guy he is. And I think it, it shows that the they recognise... That the effort and the sort of commitment yeah. that Newport had put in, and it wasn't an easy game. And I think that I've heard a lot over the weekend about, and I don't know if it's just sort of bitterness from from fans that that their teams have gone out. But the, the, the sort of feeling is that Man City can put not just only like a reserve side out, but they can almost put a third team out that will that will get them to this stage of the competition yeah. and maybe even win it. But that's not, that's not their fault. They've they've probably got the best squad, maybe even in world football. So the fact that you can bring players like Mares and Foda in, into the side for a game like that, and they're quality players. I mean, they're international players. It's City are building an awesome squad. That's not that's sort of their fault. And I don't think that. They're probably the one team that you could almost say that they're not sort of disrespecting the competition because even their their reserve side is 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 a blooming good side. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's yeah. um, I think they'll win it. I think they'll win it to yeah. be honest. But we'll, we'll see. Out, we'll see. Look out for some Man City shirts on eBay <laughs> being posted yeah. on Newport. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, probably. Um, Bristol City Wolves. Mm, it was an okay game. I wouldn't say Wolves went all out. You no, know, it's a, cl- it's a close game to call, especially with Bristol a... City's form. I think they're the most informed team in European football. I think. Oh, I think they've like won nine nine on before that defeat. It was an okay game. I wouldn't so say in, it's gonna. They're in good form. Like the like the FA Cup up, but you know what? Again, Wolves did what they needed to do, and you know that was <laughs> that was it really. Yeah, I think it was a bit more professional from Wolves in respect of I know nothing, no disrespect to Shrewsbury, but they they sort of got, they were two 0 down to them in the previous round and got it back to two two, and then they were behind in the replay as well. I think it's almost as if Wolves got that little bit of a wake up call that they needed to yeah. say that these get these again, games aren't a walkover. Again, and like no, I say, another good chance for for another you know team outside the top six in the Premier League to yeah. go on and give it a good go. Yeah, but Bristol City are, are top six in, in the Championship, so they're, they're no sort of 
easy game. Especially, yeah, what, what is this issue you've got with Bristol? Uh, is it a Yeovil thing? Local, local, it? Uh, you should support your local team. All of them. <laughs> they're not that local. <laughs> they're, like, they're like one of our main rivals and they're like an hour away, right? <laughs> and yeah. sort of two, divi- two, divi- two divisions away. Possibly yeah, three divisions. They haven't always, always been like that, mate, trust mm. me. Anyway. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean that they're a top. They're they're in the playoff place in the championship. So I don't think that's any sort of mean feat to Wolves to go there, keep a clean sheet, get the win, and go through to the next round. So I think it's a good performance. Okay, so the uh, the the Palace game next, Doncaster <laughs> Palace. Um, don't think anyone really. It's not not a surprise that Crystal Palace went through in this one. Um, a, a, a nice finish from Schlepp in in. You know, after like six, seven minutes, well, that was a good goal. Um, but the penalties for how did you see the two handballs? <laughs> I think well, we're talking odd. about we're we're talking about ref, referees yeah, later on. So a very two, I would say, very deliberate handballs in the box. So I think Doncaster probably got away with a couple there. But they didn't. They, that, but they didn't have VAR, know. did they? No, no, because yeah, that's yeah. strange, isn't it? There's some. Some well, this is this is the only thing about the yeah. FA Cup. I'm not. I, I think it's all or nothing, and I know that some grounds aren't capable of hosting VAR, if you like. But um, I'm not sure why you would have it. I mean, I assume it was on at Chelsea United, yeah, so I don't know why you would work. have it. Trust no, me. but, but I, d- I don't know why you would have it there, but you wouldn't have it at another ground in the same competition at the same stage of the competition. Um, maybe that's something to be looked at, but I, I honestly thought that could be a banana skin for Palace. I thought mm-hmm. I Don't know. Watched it. Bad it's just the way they started. Crystal Palace just was so much stronger getting started, and it, it was just uphill well, battle. Do, for uh, do we do we put Palace in the same sort of bracket as your Watford, to your yeah. Brightons, and your Wolves? That, that is uh, a good cup run. <laughs> Said, yeah, but I don't. I, well, it. I mean, they did a few years ago, didn't they? Um, yeah. Palace with, with Pardew, and oh, yeah, you, you, dance, know. you never know. The dance when that they won the one dance, up. Yeah, and he did the dance. Oh, I bet he regrets that. Don't, don't, don't dance till the final whistle. No, whistle no. would uh, my advice. Anyway, because he will not live that down. <laughs> Swansea Brentford game. Um, which is probably, I would say, game of the round, at the, the score, I think. Obviously, Brentford actually take the lead. Um, and then Swansea, a completely different side, second half. And then, you know, 4-1 in the end. Just yeah, well, I think sort of, if, if you look at, if you look at, League positions, I think that's probably the tie that was closest, obviously, because they're both in the same division. Um, then they're not that far away in the table. I think that was probably the closest game to call. I guess, I mean, I find Swansea quite well, I don't know. I guess as a Swansea fan, you might be a bit frustrated. I still think they're a good football inside, and yeah, um, when they've gone down, I mean, I'm not sure whether fans would have expected them to challenge, but. Getting to this stage of the FA Cup and a win like that in the fifth round has got to do the club the world of good, and it's got to give them a lot of confidence. 
but they, they seem a bit inconsistent for me in the league. Um, but they're obviously they're on a, they're on a good cup run. It's it's a decent win. Brentford aren't yeah. a bad side at all. No. Um, so yeah, a good win, good win all round. Good win. Really. Uh, I'll just see what's up next. Chelsea, Manchester United. Right. Can I just say something first? Right, straight off the bat. This next thing I'm about to say is not in any way, shape or form would have made any difference to the game, right? But there was a big shirt pull in the first half where David Luiz's shirt actually gets ripped off and VAR was there and they said it, it wasn't a foul. He's ripped the shirt off a player. How is how has that not had enough force to us? I don't know. You know. It just sounds, like, sounds, sounds like sour no, grapes to me. I just said. I, I, it <laughs> I know. I know where you're coming from, but I think that this is. That that particular sort of instance, I mean, I'm not going to comment on the fabric of which Chelsea shirts are made from, because I, that that's not where my expertise lies at all. Um, um, but there's so much shoving and there's so much sort of shirt pulling that goes in the box that I think there there has to be some sort of line. I mean, yeah. at the World Cup, you you seem to be getting penalties for for, for everything. Yeah, I know. Um, just... So I think I think you've got to have faith in the fact that um, if VAR's not picking it up, or they don't think it's worth looking at or going back no. to, or the referee hasn't had anything. So this leads me to my second to say point. about it. <clears throat> so the next bit is about the referee, right? Okay. So first half, he books Matic. Probably wasn't a yellow card, if I'm honest. Needless to say. He booked him. It was a yellow card, right? Then Matic goes in late on Kante and the referee doesn't even book him, even though you would probably say that that was more of a yellow card than what the first one was. And he didn't send him off. Yeah. It's just, again, it's just... <laughs> but, yeah. Right, we'll again, go on to referees anyway, later. Another... Anyway... Yeah, I, I, I think I understand, I understand where you're coming from. Yeah, I think that before the game, for me personally, but when I saw the teams, I thought Chelsea had it. I, I thought Chelsea would win the game. I thought they put out a pretty strong side, and with United missing Martial and Lingard, sort of two of their most informed players, um, I thought that I thought that Chelsea would, would win it. Um, but I thought that. Man United had a, a a a really good game plan. It was almost as if because I found that Chelsea had an awful lot of possession, but didn't have an awful lot of end product. It's a support. Um, they passed it around nicely midfield, but as soon as it went forward, there was just nothing, nothing yeah, there. But it's it's almost as if Man United adopted the sort of tactic that Mourinho would have done when he was in charge, where he got accused of parking the bus. And it was almost as if United were trying to play like that, but they actually did it successfully. Yeah, I well, thought that he, Higuain, apart from apart from one sort of half chance where he, he had a, his first touch when the ball got played over the top, his first touch was brilliant, but then his second touch was terrible. Um, and he got pushed wide, and then he sort of just did a, a sort of nothing loop. He sort 
sort of cross come shot. Um, and I thought he was quiet. I thought Hazard was as normal. He's the he's the spark that is going to ignite Chelsea, but it just wasn't working for him. And I think the one thing let you down in that game and has let you down this season is your defence. Exactly. <laughs> the, the first goal, Rashford's cross was unbelievable. I mean, if you if you sort of put a penny on the floor he would have hit that penny. That was such an amazing cross. And Herrera just had to get anything on it. And it was a great goal. Um, and the second goal was kind of the, the same for me. I, I mean, it was it was a good cross in and sort of Pogba gets there. But I just think the defence is... If, you, if you're the... looking for a defender, mm-hmm. if you're looking for a defender that's going to do some keepy-uppies then a back heel to get the ball out of play or out of danger, then David Luiz is your man. If you want a defender to actually defend, he's not He's not the player you want, this is in, in my opinion. This is the problem. So, we don't have, like, in the, between those two centre-backs, I think Rudiger is probably better, better of the two at defending. But we don't have a leader between those two. Like, when... Last season, when we were playing five at the back, you had Aspilicueta playing as a central defender in the three, and he was that leader that they needed. But there just doesn't seem to be any sort of organisation. He's clearly not going to change anything. I think he's even said that it's not, you know, not necessarily the players, but it's just the way that he wants the players to play that it's not working. He, he's even said that in a press conference today. He said that when, when a journalist asked him if he would swap the players for tomorrow's game, he said it's not generally the players that need to be swapped. It's just they need to learn the you know the way that he wants to play. And it's just not working. It's what we How many months into the season now are we? Like eight months into... Like seven, eight months into the season? And it's not... They're clearly... The players are not getting the I, style I think, that he wants to play. And the, yeah, the ridiculous I think thing he's about quite it is he's got Kante. He's, Kante is playing out of position. There's no doubt about it. He needs he needs just, just to try it just once with Kante playing in front of that back four. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with you. I, I think I think he's stubborn in in the regards of he's got his style of play and that's what he will stick by. I think we need to personally. Uh, I mean, I'm not a Chelsea fan, but I think we need to move on from the Kante bit because it's been going on for so long. If he was going to move him, he would have moved him. Done by it. Now. Yeah, I understand. It, yeah. If you you've gone, you've gone to Arsenal and lost, you've gone to Bournemouth and lost, you've gone to City and got absolutely trounced, you've, you're out of the FA Cup and he hasn't moved him um, in amongst all that the one performance that we've got where, where Chelsea put in a performance is against Huddersfield but no one after that game was saying he should have moved Kante for that game mm. or Kante was really good out wide, there was just there was sort of no reference to it it, where whenever Chelsea, I don't, I don't think it's any secret that we probably think the majority of football fans probably think that he's playing him out of position. But that's been the talk for such a long time now that if he was going to move him, I think he would yeah. have done. You... He's obviously put a lot of faith faith in Jorginho 
that he, he's going to do a job for him. He's not. A, I don't think he's a holding midfielder. I don't I know where he's got this that, idea that he is. I, I honestly don't. He's good at pa- he's good at passing. You know, there's no doubt about it. But passing from that from that position is no good to us. We need him more. If he can pass that well, then he should be playing more like Fabregas was and playing more forward. I don't. I just yeah. Don't understand. I mean, you you only have to watch Chelsea to see how an, how ineffective Kante is playing where he's playing but I think that Sari is in my opinion he's the sort of guy that will go down with his ship he will go down yeah. with his beliefs that this is the way he he wants he two, wants to play football and he questions. will he will fall on his sword two questions for you yeah one do you think he's out of his depth with the club no. Do you think he's take? Do you think he's taking this job on too soon, rather than not go into? You know, I know he managed Napoli and he did really well there. But do I you think, think that, he come too soon? No, not 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 necessarily. I think that he he was managing one of the top three or four sides in Italy. Now, admittedly, no one's probably going to finish above Juventus. Because they've got such a monopoly on that division, but yeah. he 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 was successful. He, yeah. he 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 didn't win a trophy, but he was successful <laughs> okay, while right. he was there. Second question. I think I, I think that I, I personally think that he's in a, a tra- transitional phase at Chelsea, where he I don't think he has the players that he wants, and this whole everyone needs two or three windows. I just think that what's his downfall at the moment is that he he won't admit or he won't acknowledge the fact that maybe the way they're playing <laughs> needs to change. Are you surprised that he's still there? No. No, not at all. But who else would they get? I know, that's what I mean. Realistically, who, who, who else would they get? I mean, today's... there's talk. Talk of Mourinho going back, but if, if you're going to bring Mourinho back, that's then like you're, going, you're sort of clutching. You're clutching like, at straws, in my that's opinion. That's like a monopoly ball where it says go back three spaces. There's no point. We've done that already. I, I, in his I'll press conference honest, today, he said that he I, hasn't I, spoken to any of the board members or any owners since the May night defeat, which surprises me a little bit because I thought, you know, I thought well, maybe he might have been called in just to I'd, say, I'd, you know. It's only it's only been a couple of days, but I'll be honest with you, and I know that you and I have spoke about this before, and there may be a bit of tongue in cheek about it. I I honestly think that there's too much expectation with Chelsea yeah. at the moment. If if fans really think that they're gonna win the league and they're gonna win the cups and all this, I I don't want to be controversial. I don't think they will. I do not think they will. They're gone of the days where they've pumped millions and millions and millions and bought all the best players in the world, had your Terrys, had your Lampards and they've had that core that's taken them to so many titles I think those days have gone (laughs) yeah, but I think those days have gone and they are never, in my in my view, they're never going to get anywhere if they just keep chopping and changing their managers. This is the problem. I'll throw a Spurs reference in. Yeah, go on, although, although Pochettino hasn't won anything, it, 
nobody can question that Spurs are going in the right direction. And the reason they're going in the right direction is because they've got some stability. They will win a trophy at some point. They will continue to get Champions League qualifications. If Chelsea finish outside the top four this season, and that's their second year out of the Champions League, that that's not right for a club like Chelsea. No. But right. it, it may be the it may be the reality. We'll move on. Anyway, so we'll quickly go over the draw. Um, you you the... could be Everton. It could be a lot worse. You could, you, you... <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Watford, Palace, Swansea, Man City, Wolves, Man United, and Millwall, Brighton. Um, obviously, the two Manchester clubs missed each other. So, yeah. Um, I, I, I think you... the tie I'm most looking forward to is probably the Millwall, Brighton one. I think. I think I'm quite looking forward to that one. It's kind I of think a local sort of. I think the st- I think Watford Palace is a good tie, and I think that Wolves Man United is a good tie as well. I think that if let's assume that both Manchester clubs get through, um, and they they were to play each other in the semi final, there's a real chance for one of the other teams. Definitely. Obviously, to, well, obviously one of the other teams will get to the final, but you could have. Um, I don't know. I mean, off the top of my head, I'd pick Watford and Brighton to win the other two games. So you could have a Watford or a Brighton in the FA Cup final, which which would um, you just hope it's a spectacle. You know, when you you get a, a club that's probably or a team that's an overwhelming favourite, the, the finals have normally been contested over the last three, four, or maybe five years by two of the top six, but. There's, yeah. there's a real chance for, and I'm not counting out Wolves or Swansea. Wolves no. knock Liverpool out, so they've got a good there, chance. There's nothing Wolves, to say that they can't knock United out. Yeah, no. absolutely. Good draw. Anyway, that was the uh, FA Cup stuff. So now we're going to move on to the EFL, and um, Rich has got a couple of games, I believe, in the Championship. Yep. So uh, due to the FA Cup games, there was seven games in the Championship over the weekend. Uh, and no surprise, but there's another change at the top uh, with Norwich going back into first place. They uh, won 4-0 away at Bolton and they are now two points clear of Sheffield United, who are now in second and they beat Reading 4-0 uh, also at the weekend. Leeds in third didn't play, but they do have a game in hand on the top two. So if Leeds were to win that, it will all change again. Um, West Brom and Middlesbrough, they were the only two other teams in the top six to play. Uh, They both won. West Brom won 2-0 away at Villa in the uh, Midlands derby. And Middlesbrough beat Blackburn 1-0 away on Sunday, with Blackburn going down to 10 men. Uh, Just on that as well, so West Brom played QPR last night, and they won won that 3-2 with a late winner. So um, West Brom got another three points, so they're pretty safe in the playoff places. At the other end, uh, all of the bottom four teams were in action. Uh, bottom side Ipswich, they got a point in a one-all draw with Stoke. They got a late equaliser, but it does still leave them nine points from safety. Bolton are in 23rd, and as mentioned, they lost 4-0 to leaders Norwich. And Rotherham make up the final relegation place. Um, they got a 2-2 draw with Sheffield Wednesday in a, in a bit of a Yorkshire derby. Um, it does move them level on points with Reading in 21st, but um, Rotherham were, they were 1-0 down, then they went 2-1 up, 
but then uh, Sheffield Wednesday got a, a last-minute equaliser. So a lot of last-minute goals in the championship lately. Um, so affecting both games at the top and the bottom. The only other game in the division at the weekend saw Preston and Nottingham Forest play out a goalless draw, uh, which, to be honest, didn't really help either side. They're sort of hovering just below the playoff places. So um, a point each didn't really... Um, didn't really do much for either side. Uh, going into League Two, so probably the most informed team around at the moment. So Luton, they've uh, maintained their six-point lead at the top. They got their oh, sixth. Fire, win- yeah, absolutely. Sixth win in a row. They uh, won two 0 away at Fleetwood. Then now eleven points clear um, in the race for automatic promotion. So it's looking good for them to um, to go up to the Championship, whether they go up as champions or in second place uh, remains to be seen but Barnsley they do keep pace there in second they got their fourth win in the last five with a 2-1 win at home to Wickham Portsmouth Sunderland and Charlton they all drew over the weekend but they do remain in the playoff places Portsmouth are now without a win in their last five and they have drawn their last three they're now five points off automatic promotion Um, when you think like earlier in the season we were talking about Pompey running away yeah. with that league yeah. now they're five points off they were 3-0 up away at South End which is crazy Sunderland they also drew they've drawn five of their last six games although they did win last night I think they played Gillingham last night and they won 4-2 but before that it was five of their last six games they've drawn and Charlton remaining fourth which uh, with a draw and that was their third draw in their last five as well so a lot of draws for those three <laughs> Doncaster make up the last playoff place but they didn't play as mentioned they played uh, Palace in the cup at the bottom Wimbledon are still rooted to the bottom and seven points from safety but they didn't play at the weekend either because of the FA Cup um, the three to all the three other teams in the relegation zone all played with Bradford in 23rd and Shrewsbury in 22nd, both picking up a point in draws against Plymouth and Burton, respectively. Oxford make up the final relegation place. They lost 1-0 at home to Peterborough, but it is really tight at the bottom of League One. So there's only five points separating Plymouth in 15th and Bradford in 23rd. So the uh, relegation places are still... Uh, far from being sorted in League 1. So, League 2, Chris. Okay, so League 2 saw almost a full fixture. Obviously, Newport against Swindon was postponed because obviously Newport played in the Cup. Um, but top place Lincoln were held to a 2 all draw with Stevenage. Uh, Lincoln were 2 up in that one but conceded twice in the last three minutes. One of the goals coming in the 94th minute. So, let that slip. Uh, Bury up to second now after they beat Exeter 1-0 away. And Mansfield moved down to third as they lost to bottom place Notts County 1-0. Uh, after a bad run of form recently, MK Dons are back to winning ways. Uh, they defeated Carlisle by three goals to two. Boris Green are up to fifth after a convincing 3-0 win over Yeovil. Talk about that one a bit more in a minute. <laughs> uh, Colchester sixth. Uh, they drew a second from bottom Macclesfield and Carlisle make the set the, the other playoff place in seventh. Um, as already discussed, Notts County and Macclesfield both didn't lose this weekend. Um, Yeovil did 
Uh, they got hammered three goals to nil. Only a point off relegation now, Rich. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, Dropping like a heavy stone. Yeah. So, obviously, the fans are growing a bit more impatient now with the manager, but just announced in the last couple of hours, um, there is a takeover happening at Yeovil. Um, so, an American businessman and his associates are going to hold a 92% stake within the club. Um, he's got a bit of a background, this guy of um, sports, especially in um, America. He owns a baseball team. Um, so, yeah, so we might see a few changes. Um, the manager's come out and said that he's got full backing of the new owners, which I don't think has gone down well, she say, but... Yeah, could be a bit of money being pumped into the club. Um, so we'll have to wait and see what happens. But um, just needs approval, I believe, from the EFL. But apparently everything's going well. So um, I think it's March time, some sometime in March, that the, the takeover will be complete. Well, let's hope you're still in the well, yeah, in the football league. Uh, come well, then. hopefully, yeah, hopefully, hopefully this. I think they will left. I've grown to having a bit of an affinity with you over Chris. <laughs> with six defeats in a row now. Um, but yeah. I just, I just kind of, I just kind of think it's, it's all well and good, sort of. I mean, the, the, for people to come in and buy that sort of stake in the club, they must see some potential there. Um, yeah. I mean. See. If you're expecting them to pump millions in and sort of to, to to get a pretty much a whole new squad, I'm not sure if that's what's going to happen. No, but, no, obviously um, not. I so guess it would be it would be it would be good to go on to a new sort of a new era for the club and still be still be football league. A, a football league side. You don't yeah. want to get relegated and then sort of never be never be heard of yeah. again. But yeah. Anyway, that is the EFL review. To be positive. Uh, yeah, we'll have to be positive. It's hard at the moment, mate. We've got Chelsea and Yeovil both not doing well. So, yeah. Anyway, that is all we've got time for for part one. Uh, coming out in part two, Rich has got a bit on predictions. We then have a special topic around referees. And I will be hopefully giving Rich the teaser answer um, because hopefully he won't get it right. <laughs> be back I'm, I'm, in pretty sure, I'm pretty sure I won't. I'm back. <laughs> We'll be back in part two. Hello and welcome back to part two of you from the Sideline podcast. We're going to uh, just start part two with a quick update on our predictions challenge. Um, so at the weekend we had the the F. Fake up games. Our special guest predictor this week was Lynn, um, who, who won the round. So, congratulations to Lynn. A, a very respectable score of 25, uh, which puts her joint second in the table. Uh, there's three other contestants that have had a score of 25. Jamie is still at the top with 30. Uh, Chris, you and I shared the sport in second with 20 points apiece. Um, so a very high scoring round all in all um, 
I regret going for the Doncaster and Swansea game, both to finish in draws. You had a good start. Uh, right? you, um, had the, you had the Brighton Derby. I did, I did, I did. And we've got Yeovil coming up this week uh, in the predictions. I seem to have a bit of a um, oh, bit yeah, of a hold yeah, over yeah, Yeovil yeah. whenever whenever we've got them in, in the predictions. I normally get the uh, the the score spot on. Yeovil, if you're Listening, I can save you some time. You do not need to travel to the game because I've gone for a 2 0 win for Cambridge. Uh, if that result comes in, then this is this is, but if this if this comes in, that will just be freakily good. That I think, um, the new investors at Yeovil might want to uh, uh, give me a call. So, uh, so yeah, we'll see. So, I'm, I'm just ahead of you, Chris, by point. Two of a point in the predictions table. Close. So it's very, close very close. Yeah. Very close indeed. Yeah, so uh, obviously we'll keep that going till the end of the year. And there is a trophy and a prize for the winner. Uh, so if you want to get involved, just get in touch and uh, yeah, you can join in the fun. So uh, our special topic this week, um, a, a big topic, but I don't think we can... We'd be here all night, Chris, to be honest, wouldn't we? Um, so our topic this week is around referees. So I guess there's a couple of points that uh, we want to cover. I mean, I get that the main one being is that it's it's always a topical point in football. Uh, you can't really go through any round of matches without there being some isn't sort of controversial decision. Whenever... Even... Whenever your team loses, the first person you blame is the referee. <laughs> yeah, I did notice that in your yeah. in your Chelsea review earlier. Yeah, I did notice that. I but I think even myself. even even with the introduction of VAR, they're they're not they're still not, not um, you know. no they're not they're blameless. They're, they're still there's still an interpretation, I guess, with, with VAR. I mean, I think the the main points we might want to cover are, is is the pressure they're under uh i don't think we can ever underestimate the pressure that the officials are under these days um with var coming in next year into the premier league i think that when it was first announced there was a lot of people that thought it may it may cure all problems but i think that the competitions in which var has I been used seen, yeah i think we've seen yeah i think that i think the i think the real madrid ajax game in the champions league is probably a prime example um, and then there's also the question around whether we believe that they should almost own up for their mistakes. Are they too protected? So the fact that they don't have to give interviews and uh, any sort of post-match reaction yeah. uh, like managers do, there's no sort of media commitment, if you like, referees. Is that a good or a bad thing? So um, far away, Chris, you can, uh, so I want, well, you I want can use the Chelsea game as a reference. Yeah. Well, start first off with... with... The, the the pressure that that referees are under, um, you know, it is it is difficult for full ninety minutes to concentrate on every single player on the pitch, and is it is near on impossible that you're going to see everything with your eyes. But that said, I will say that so, I think sometimes we see some things on TV that everyone is kind of thinking in their head, well, how has the referee not seen that? And I think a prime example would be the handballs um, in the Doncaster Crystal Palace game. For me, they were 
it was clear it was clear to see. I know we're watching it from a TV, but even when you see the position of the referee, it comes into question why why are they why is he not given that decision? I know they have to go by the rule of they have to be one hundred percent certain to give anything, which is understandable. But Yeah, um, but but just on that, honestly, yeah. do you think that any ref is ever one hundred percent certain when no, they give a decision? No. There's, no, there's I, no way they can be 100% and I, certain. I feel sometimes if they feel that they've missed something in the game, that then when another tackle or something is made, they feel obliged sometimes to actually give the foul, give the penalty, give the yellow card. I think that's kind of the basis that they sometimes work on. Um, so I, I understand, you know, that the pressures that they are under. Um, I've... Um, in a previous podcast, I did mention um, that it was the one where Greg was on actually co-hosting. Uh, we did a bit on grassroots where I said that I refereed a game and it was probably one of the hardest things I think I've ever done. <laughs> I mean, so you, 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 you're, you literally are a people pleaser when you're on the pitch. You are trying to please every single person within that stadium, you know, if you kind of get what I mean, so you kind of having to. Yeah, I, I mean, I think. Yeah, I agree. I do agree with that, but I think that that there needs to be an element of sort of realism, and I, and I'm sure referees are like this. I don't think they're ever under the impression that they are going to please everyone as much as right. well, they may they yeah. may want they may want to do that. I mean, it's the whole the whole thing about. The home team, you know, people used to say, especially with United um, and with Ferguson, that United at home would always get all the decisions. And I don't necessarily think it was they got all the decisions. Maybe they were just the team that were attacking more, therefore got more free kicks, got more chances to score, etc. Things like that. But I think that I, I don't think a ref can ever be a hundred percent convinced or a hundred percent certain they've got a split second to make that judgment and i think they've got to referee the game to the best of their ability and i think that as a football fan you've almost got to say that if your team aren't playing the game to the best of their ability and they're below par then would you blame your team for that uh, you you yeah. probably wouldn't, yet you will blame a referee <laughs> for getting a decision wrong. Yeah. And on, honestly, I would love to, and I don't, I'm not a particular fan of referees. I mean, I like to see Mike Dean give the odd dance move every now and again when he gives it's, the penalty. It's a bit silly though, isn't but, it? Yeah, but yeah. honestly, I would challenge any football fan to referee, and I know that that's what these guys do. These guys are professional referees. That's what they do for a living. Yeah. But even you and I, we can we can do this podcast and and give our views. And we, we know this about football. We know that about football. But I would challenge any football fan to go out and referee a, a, a game of football, whether it's on a, on a Sunday morning, a Saturday afternoon, whether it's professional, semi-professional, and... I don't think it would be as easy as you think it would be when you've got... We're all armchair fans and yeah. we sit there and we see it from all these different angles. And I think that the pressure that's on referees is so high, but I think that is because 
there is an equal amount of pressure on professional footballers, on professional club managers to stay in the division for the financial rewards and all sorts of things like that. And sometimes I just think that referees are, they're the easy blame. They're the easy mm, person definitely. to blame. They're, yeah. the, they're the it's easiest thing to point a finger <laughs> it's the at. the first person you normally point the finger at. Yeah, but, absolutely. Um, just get moving slightly forward to, to the VAR situation. Um, would, are you worried at all that they're, they're going to be using VAR? You know, they're not going to make those decisions anymore. They're just going to hope. They're just going to hope that VAR picks up these decisions, and they're not. You know, not um, well, good. they're going to be a bit more. Well, you know, yeah, VAR I, I said think, it. So, you know, do I continue or? I, you know, I'm I'm one of those people that I quite. I quite enjoy the drama of a of a Saturday evening or sort of Sunday morning, like reading the paper or listening to the podcast yeah. or something like that. And there's there's a bit of a debate about a, a decision referee, because I think yeah. that's what makes football what so it is. Do you think th- that's all going to go away now? No, if, I, no, I don't. I don't think it will. I do mean, you think the blame will shift more over to the someone, AR than what it will to the referee? I, I, well, I heard someone in the week say like VAR is pretty much like electricity that whether you like it or not, it's here and there's nothing you can do about it. Mm. So that that that's the nuts and bolts of it. I think that I think there was a perception that especially during the World Cup, because I thought I think that VAR was was really successful during the World Cup. Yeah. Um, I think that now it's been embedded a bit more in football that that, that that you and I, for example, will watch. I think there's some flaws that are being found out. As as I mentioned earlier, I think the 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 disallowed goal for Ajax against Real Madrid that Crazy. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean there was talk about that the players didn't even know what was going on and Courtois thought that the goal had been disallowed for a reason that was nothing to do with why the goal was disallowed. So even the players don't know what's going on, let, let alone the fans. But And there has to be a clear definition. Like that goal, for example, so I, I believe there was two elements. The first one was offside or onside. Uh, and then the second one was was Tadic interfering with play, I think, with, with obstructing right. Courtois. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but that was the reason. There's, well, there's, there's, there's no... said it was the reason. Yeah, but I mean, the, the first bit, so there's no doubt about offside. You're either offside or you're not offside. Exactly. Wh- whether you're offside, offside by the, the length of your toe or whether you're offside by, by 10 yards, you're still offside. Um, and then the, the, the interfering with play, that is clearly down to the referee's interpretation. So all VAR is doing in that instance is saying, you, you might want to have a look at this. You might want to review this, but ultimately it's still the referee who is disallowing that goal for those reasons. So the the, the video doesn't tell you 100% that he's interfering with play because there's, there's been two, there's, there's certainly two camps on that, that particular decision where a lot of people are saying he wasn't interfering with play and a lot of people are saying he was. So, VAR hasn't made that decision any clearer at all, no. really. If anything, it's added to confusion. Um, and I think that 
from a Premier League perspective, I still things like that are going to happen. Things like that still will happen. It will take it will take a lot of the if if and but decisions out of it. Maybe I kind of look at it like goal line technology. That that was a goal or not a goal. So that that was a good introduction. There's still some grey bits in VAR for me. Mm. So obviously moving on to the the referees and are they protected? Um, I feel that referees should do interviews after the game. I I I just think that it would put to bed all the you know all the all the after talk of of a game of was the re- why did the referee make that decision? At least if they come out and say why they made it, I'm not saying that they should apologize for giving a decision which shouldn't be a decision because obviously in their eyes they've given it because they feel that it wasn't you know a clear foul or or clear card but i think that they should just come out and say you know you know they they don't have to you know pick on individuals or anything but they just have to say why they why they gave the decision who did did they seek guidance from the linesman the fourth official you know, did they feel that, you know, they had control of the game? You know, it's just things like that, really. I, I, I don't know, but I, I think it, it won't would, happen. I've, it will never I, happen. No, I don't think it will. I think it would make them... I think it would make the the football in public have a bit more sympathy with them. I mean, I don't, I don't know the reason why they don't come out and do it, but do, do you think it's any different to... Um, a player being interviewed no. who's who's made a howler and no. cost their team the game or no, that player, the or player might not want to talk to the press yeah. but I think that they have an obligation to to do it now I don't, I don't think the player does but what I think what so do you think there's any difference with with a player coming out or a manager coming out so, so say for example the, the player's made a howler the goalie's made a howler because of that mistake, their team's lost the game. So is there any difference in that goalie coming out or the manager coming out and, and criticising the goalie than the ref coming out and saying that they made a mistake? No, I don't see that there's much difference. No. I think, so I don't know why I just one think with referees, they, the they would have to be more careful with what they say. You know, even managers are so scrutinised in these but, conferences now that if they say the wrong thing, they end up getting a fine. So. Yeah, but but all the referee would have to say is, "Yeah, I made a mistake." From from, nice from where see, I from where I saw it, it I thought it was a foul. I thought it was a handball. But after having the opportunity to look back on it, yeah. I can or, see I made a mistake. I went, that's not that bad. They surely. speak to the managers and the captain after the game. I don't know. Just to you know, let the manager and the player have like. A, you know, speak to the referee after the game and ask why did they make that decision instead of, you know, because half of them try and do it on the pitch while the game's still playing and, you know, the referees aren't too keen on that. But I I just throw this at you. Do you think that the reason referees don't come out and talk about their own performance is because it would devalue the game? Because if you had a referee openly confirming they'd made a mistake... The next time they go and ref a match, does that then put even more pressure suppose, on? Yeah. Because you're feeling that you've got a subpar official. As long as you're not actually admitting it yourself, 
you, you, it's almost as if you can't be proved that you're yeah, wrong. I know the referees Maybe. are sanctioned by their own sort of referee thing, aren't they? That if the referee, has but a they're all game, assessed. They I, I mean, I think I think there's a referees assessor at every game, yeah. as far as I'm aware. So it's not as if they're they're getting away scot free. I mean, I, I don't necessarily think that. I mean, supporters of teams in lower leagues that when when an official has a bad game in the Premier League or the Champions League, and then they get that official in a League Two game, like at, at Yeovil, for example, the week after, there's almost a feeling from from those fans that we're we're getting a bad ref. We're almost getting like a re- re- rejected <laughs> yeah. referee. He's made all um, yeah. But I just think that I I honestly think that refereeing and the mistakes that are made and the fact that they're human is what makes football what it is yeah. if if everybody was a robot and we analyzed every decision to to the so much that we knew 100 percent that every decision in a match was right we'd have nothing to talk about you wouldn't have this podcast right <laughs> we wouldn't we, we wouldn't uh, I'll just, you know it's, but I, I'm not. Yeah. I, 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 I feel for referees, I and I think that they are, they are just as much a part of the game that we all know and love, yeah, as as anybody else. And I think that you, I'm not always a believer in that it evens itself out over the year. If no. if a decision went against Spurs and we got Neither relegated, I I wouldn't be happy. Um, <laughs> I think from. From your Chelsea comment earlier, just face it, you're not good enough. You can't, you can't blame oh. the ref for things like oh. that. Oh, that's so, it. We've had enough of referees now. <laughs> yeah, that's where I stand. Yeah. Give, give them a break. Give yeah, them a bit right. of a break. Right. Teaser, Rich. Yes. Go on, then. Who, who did Ashley Cole last score his goal against? In 2012. It 2012. I've, I've narrowed... I've narrowed it down purely by guesswork. Go on then, guess boy. To, to Stoke City or Aston Villa, both of which I am pretty sure are wrong. But I'm going to go with my first four and say Aston Villa. So, um, so you said Stoke and Villa. I can. It is one of them. You were. Oh, you're joking. Um, and I'll tell you why. Rich, but, oh, I got the wrong one. It was one, Stoke. Oh. I actually seen, I've seen Chelsea play Villa that season, and they beat them eight nil. So, yeah, oh. yeah, he scored in a one nil win on Saturday, the twenty second of September. I do not is, believe that. I go. do not believe so, that because that was an absolute guess. He did it. He did it on a an well, educated guess. Saturday in Stoke. But oh in, well, in never mind. Never mind. Okay, well, that is all we've got time for this week. Um, anything to add, Rich? Uh, no, just that the we, we've put the uh, this week's predictions we've got uh, just put online uh, before recording this episode. So by the time you listen to this, they will be available on our social media platforms. Uh, so you can take a look at those. Um, and no, that's it, really. <laughs> speak to you next okay. week. So we will speak to you next week.